0: Welcome to Rooting for You, a seasonal gardening podcast for non experts. I'm Tess and I know nothing. And I'm Elise and I know some things. Each week we'll chat about one gardening topic and then discuss the effort reward payoff by asking Is the juice worth the squeeze? Just a heads up, there might be a bit of swearing in this episode. You've been warned. Fabian is part of the team that co-founded Little Veggie Batch Co. in Melbourne but since 2014 he's been working on his own things. He's got an excellent website that's full of so many great resources for gardeners particularly his videos. He's a garden consultant you can book him for veggie patch, his veggie patch hotline, zoom chats or a site visit. Fabian's also published four books, including during his time at The Little Veggie Patch, The Little Veggie Patch, The Little Veggie Patch Co.'s Guide to Backyard Gardening and One Minute Gardener. And then most recently, Growing Food the Italian Way, which was written after living in Tuscany for a year, which we absolutely have to hear about. Fabian has his own gardening and food podcast where he chats to like-minded people who are just as passionate on these topics as he is. So if you're hungry, pun intended, for more gardening podcasts, go and check that out. Also, hang tight for the end of the podcast as Fabian's going to tell us all about a fabulous giveaway for Rooting For You listeners. So Fabian, welcome to Rooting For You.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: It's our absolute pleasure. So why don't you tell us, what first inspired you to start gardening? Oh, wow.
1: Well, I've often thought about this. I, I've i always spent time outside. I grew up in the eastern suburbs on acreage. So from a young kid, my chore was to get on the ride on mower, and I loved <laughs> it, you know. So I, I always loved mowing the lawns, and it just sort of stemmed from that. But I didn't really start growing edibles until i left home and i come from an italian background so i've grown up with you know both my parents migrated to uh, australia with their with their parents so most of my sundays were spent at my grandparents house having a big lunch and then going outside to either play cricket in the driveway or soccer on the concrete because the rest of the yard was full of vegetables you know so but it's funny my parents didn't really grow anything at home and it wasn't until I left uh, home and I moved into my first house with with um, a yard, uh, mm-hmm. you know. So I actually invited my grandparents to come around and visit and it happened to be a Saturday and it was spring. I remember the spring carnival being on because I remember this quite vividly and um, I could hear my grandfather trying to park the car at the front of the street and he was a, wasn't the greatest driver. So <laughs> I knew that he'd, he'd, he'd arrived and um, he opens the gate and he sees me gardening and goes, would you like some tomato plants? I've got some at home. And the next week he came around with this tub of Peter's, you know, an old ice cream tub mm. of Peter's ice cream with these tomato seedlings wrapped up in newspaper. And I can still remember it, picture it in my, in my head. And it's funny because that action of giving me those plants has led me to today talking about my own food.
0: That's such a beautiful memory and connection yeah. then with your grandparents.
1: Yeah, it's it's the subtle things that you didn't really realise that you picked up as a child, um, just being surrounded by it. So that's why often people ask me about my own kids and, and are they into gardening? And they're not at all, you know. <laughs> but I I don't have a fear because I reckon at one at some stage in their life they'll, they'll pick it up and they'll go, yeah, I remember my dad doing
0: that.
2: Yeah, the same way you did with your grandparents.
1: Exactly right. So that's how I got into gardening.
0: It's funny that it was tomatoes for you because we often talk about how tomatoes is just such a gateway edible plant for so many people and it was for me, at least I don't know if it was for you as well, but it's... um it's just such a great plant or crop to master
1: well because you get such a reward out of it it's it's an it's an easy plant to grow i always suggest to everyone who's ever started out to to choose a cherry tomato because you're not going to fail there um and you know yeah there's such a versatile um crop and you and it will just keep producing too Mm. as well
2: and everyone loves tomatoes
1: (laughs) yeah who doesn't love tomatoes and there's having a plate of pasta, a salad, you know. It is a vegetable that runs across many cultures too. So mm. um,
2: it's
1: amazing. We've got a lot to thank Christopher Columbus for in that sense, you know, bringing <laughs> yeah. back tomatoes from the new world, you know.
2: Yeah. So would you say your grandparents like taught you so much of what you started learning when it comes to edible gardening? Like they were a really amazing resource. I,
1: and Yeah, from the from just – which I think is what gardening is essentially anyway, which is a process of observation. So by me watching, I was able mm-hmm. to pick up what, what they did and go, oh, yeah. actually, because there was always a language barrier between myself and my grandparents, you know, oh, they spoke okay. broken English. I didn't really speak Italian growing up. So I just picked up a lot of the stuff just watching, you know, mm. yeah, and little tips and tricks. So it wasn't something that they're going, oh, come and spend time with me and and watch this and just, oh, okay, that's what you do.
2: Hmm.
1: Like simple things like trench composting, that's something my grandparents would do all the time. It's like, oh, can you go take this out to the garden, put it into the hole over there, you know?
2: Yeah, trench composting is not something we've ever mentioned on the podcast, but I um, reckon you can give us a 30-second spiel? Give yeah, us so 30 30 composting spiel? Is,
1: trench composting is essentially just digging a hole, putting your food scraps in, and filling it back over with soil. It's basically what they've been doing for, for you know thousands of years. Yeah. Um, it's the quickest way to get rid of your your waste. and the great thing is it builds organic matter into the soil. So it encourages the worms to get in there and breaks down. and it's it's probably the easiest place to start if you've got food waste and you rather than composting, because composting can be difficult at times if you don't know what you're doing, the easiest way to get rid of it is to put it straight in the ground.
2: Just dig a hole and chuck it in.
1: Yeah. And, you know, just fill it with soil over the top and it will stop the rats or anything like that. So you don't have any issues there. So Mm. it's just my biggest problem is finding the space in the garden that doesn't Mm. have a plant to put Mm. it in.
2: I also hate digging holes. I'm not for it. I have really (laughs) heavy clay soil, so it's a little bit harder for me. fair enough. Fair (laughs) enough.
0: So here at Rooting For You, we're all about learning from garden fails. Do you have a most memorable garden fail?
1: Yeah, I fail all the time. This is a thing. (laughs) Um, This is a thing, you know, and sometimes I get imposter syndrome because, like, as a gardener and a so-called expert, the reality is that I always have failed. Stuff doesn't always propagate properly. It, you know, doesn't come up. Some stuff has been eaten by pests. There's no such thing as a perfect garden, and that's why sometimes you know, you see Instagram accounts or you see magazines. There's no such thing as a, as a perfect garden. Mm. And that's what I love about gardening because no two days are ever, ever, ever the same in the garden. That When you walk out and you look at your garden at that instant, it will never look like that again, you know. And that's what I love about gardening. But I've had many fails. And the, and the biggest fail quite often, though, has to do with soil. Um. I've had issues with, mainly with client. So, you know, in the previous business, I made a living out of installing gardens for, for customers. And quite often I get phone calls back about, oh, you know, the garden's not growing properly, you know. And nearly in, in every instance, it would have been because of the soil and the soil that i would purchased to put into that garden bed. The nature of the way that we'd install gardens was that there were no dig style gardens and we would bring the soil in you know rather than working with soil because most of the gardens that we installed were in in inner city apartments and those sorts of things but nearly every time uh, it was because of the soil and it was because the soil ph was out
2: ah interesting
1: uh, the other issue, the other failures is that I've had, I had a garden in Federation Square as a business. We had the garden pop-up patch. Yeah, I remember that. And, um, you yeah, know, that was a real learning curve. That was on top of a car park where it, it would get so hot so because hot. it was concrete. Like I don't remember days has been like, you know, Victoria, <laughs> my former home, would get warm. At like you know in summer for that jan period where you get 40 degree days and up there was always 10 degrees hotter so it'd be like 50 degrees some days and we're trying to grow vegetables up there so it was that was hard um and a big challenge but yeah i always fail you know but that's why i just i just i just plant more you know
2: <laughs> I'm glad to hear you say that because, I mean, you're clearly someone that is very, very experienced in this area. I mean, you've written four books on the topic. So to hear that, you know, things don't always go to plan for you is just so reassuring for people to know at home, you know, that when stuff doesn't go right for them, it's not that they did anything wrong. No, or I really, or...
1: no see, I get really angry when people go, oh, i got, you know, black thumbs, you know. And mm. I'm like, no, no, everyone's got a green thumb. Yeah. You know, they really do. It's, we haven't evolved that far away from, that's how we've, you know, we started out farming, you know, and Mm. so it's all, it's in everyone's genes to get out there and garden. Um, So it's just a matter of practice and listening with your eyes predominantly,
2: you know. Mm -hmm. Exactly.
1: But you get better at it. That's all you do is you get better at reading what the issues might be, but doesn't mean that you don't have the issues, you know.
2: Yeah, you can just rectify it. And you don't
1: them. have the, yeah, so you get onto it quicker or oh, I've recognized that because I've experienced it before, but they still happen.
2: Mm. you know. And you're right, Instagram is so problematic in making people think that everything's perfect all the time. And so often in the garden, it's not. So, you no, know, it's no, great it's that just, we can just call a spade a spade, excuse the pun. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And it's the same with, you know, glossy magazines. And you see, mm. you know, these pretty gardens. And yeah, they've just, because they've had the garden room 15 minutes before they took the photo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's not what it's like normally, you know. As I mentioned, I got I've got a kid and two kids and a dog. I can tell mm-hmm. you now the garden's not always looking pretty. <laughs> you
2: know, the other thing I find about my garden, I'm sure you'd probably agree with this, is sometimes when it's the ugliest, it's actually the most productive. Like yes. when it's like this jungle, it's like actually then you got a lot of food uh, out of it. But
1: how many times I've looked at my cousins or. Family, friends that I've gone over to, being of Italian descent, and their gardens look ugly, you mm-hmm. know. But I tell you, they feed themselves out of that garden.
2: Yeah, you know exactly. Um,
1: and but they don't get caught up about the aesthetics of it. Mm-hmm. It's more about the food and what it provides them.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I've always tried to see if I can mesh those two things together. That was mm-hmm. always the idea behind the last business and this business is how mm-hmm. I can make something that is very productive still look appealing and, mm. and and funky and cool and not be so uh, daggy either you know
2: I mean it's definitely something I struggle with with that like what I think looks good in the garden and how to get the best produce or the you know the most yield from it and it's definitely like this this tug of war that goes on for me is that kind of the same for you because I can tell from your Instagram you've clearly got like a really good eye for aesthetics
1: thing with gardening, and this is my advice I give to any beginner, is not to try and do it all. Like pick mm. four things that you want and that you use often and get really good at those. Like you don't have to have a million different varieties. And that's the problem is we, and I do this all the time. I go, I'll go to the uh, the nursery and I'll see a plant. And they go, oh, I don't have that. I'll go and put that. I don't have any room for it. And I'll go and plant it. I have no idea how to grow. it. But really, <laughs> I, ideally, I, you um, know, I, I, I'm better off just choosing the four things that I use and mm. I maximize my, it's like, for me, it's all about, so I grow a lot of rapini, which is, or is like it's like a top. of top, it's yeah, similar. It's, uh, it's got a really bitter taste, but I love it. And it, and it gets me a harvest really quickly. And I grow heaps of things like broad beans, mm. beans as well, it's in my name. Fabian means bean grower, so I just love growing beans. And then leafy, <laughs> leafy greens. So I recommend everyone grow lettuce, mm. you know. And mm-hmm. in, in the way of lettuce, I mean things like rocket, mustards, yep. things that you can cut and you get plenty out of. Yep. Don't go for heading in. varieties. Yeah, don't bother with things like iceberg and that sort of stuff. Mm. And and you know the other thing is people go oh, they get excited. They want to grow carrots and they want to grow beetroot. I go, it's great, but they're really cheap to purchase. The farmer does a much better job than you probably ever will, <laughs> and. And realistically, you don't have a lot of space and they take a long time to grow. So concentrate on the things that give you the most return on investment. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing. I don't understand why people, you know, like everyone should grow herbs. Mm -hmm. Everyone. Because you don't need much space to grow herbs. You can grow them in a pot. And Mm -hmm. ultimately, if you can just pick a couple that you use all the time, and that's when you get the wins too because you you choose just those four things and you get good at it. Wow, I'm actually using this all the time.
0: Mm -hmm. And conversely... They're bloody expensive to buy, unlike your carrots and your beetroots.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, herbs, they charge four bucks. (laughs) And, you know, for a bunch that you're probably not going to use all of, and you put in a jar and go, oh, they're wilted. I'll put them in the compost. Oh, what am I going to do with them? You know? Mm. So ultimately, I just, and and herbs are really easy to grow. And they're also the thing that makes the difference to your meal. Like if you want to mm. add something and make it taste fresh, you add fresh herbs to it, and you go, "Wow, I cooked that. That was good." <laughs> and then, and then you say, "Then you say I grew that and I cooked it. Hey, even better."
2: You're really nailing life. No, mm. this is absolutely music to my ears. I've been saying this on the podcast so many times about don't try and grow everything. You know, carrots. I said for the average Joe in a suburban backyard and a beginner, don't bother. They're cheap. <laughs> You're going to eat a lot yeah. of them. Um, yeah. So yeah, hearing you say that is brilliant. What would you say, other than herbs, are some really key, like, bang for buck, beginner crops?
1: Oh, again, I always believe that you should, you know, grow something that you're going to eat. You know, there's Mm -hmm. no point. So if I say radish, for example, because radish is probably the easiest, quickest thing that you can grow. But I hate radish, so I'm not going to grow them, (laughs) you know. So, but if you do, if you do like radish, I'd always recommend radish because they're easy. Depends on the time of year, but I also think, again, we mentioned before earlier about tomatoes, cherry tomatoes all the way. Then leafy greens, so things that you can make a salad. So I'm big on adding to some protein that you might have at home, you know? Mm. So you might have some protein and you want to go out and go, oh, I don't have any lettuce in the fridge, you know? But, hey, I've got some outside and I can make something. So I'm big on, on leafy greens and things like mustard. And they're really easy to grow. And beans, of course.
0: Mm, We were talking about beans recently. Elisa saying
2: that she wished she had started growing beans sooner. (laughs) Yeah, I never grew them at the start. I mean, if my name was Fabian, I might have. But, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But beans are great because, firstly, they're easy to sow because you can directly sow them, you know. So you don't have to worry about putting them in propagating trays or whatever. You can put them straight in the ground where you want to grow them. And then secondly, where they're even better is they feed the soil. They put nitrogen into the soil, which is mm. great for your next crop. So if you're going to be growing heavy feeders, and what I mean by heavy feeders, things that require a lot of nitrogen, things like your brassicas, so broccoli, cabbage, et cetera, they're always great to plant because they're a winter crop where you've planted your summer crop of beans.
0: Mm.
1: So beans are fantastic, and they taste good.
0: While we were on the topic of of herbs, which you mentioned just a moment ago, in one of your videos, you bought a packet of herbs, I think it was rosemary, yep. from the supermarket, yep. and you planted it yep. as cuttings. Yep. <laughs> Do you want to tell us about that and also how it went?
1: Yeah, it's still going as we speak. Actually. Oh, I was looking at it. It's funny <laughs> you say that. I was looking at it today and going, oh, I wonder how they're going. I've got out of, I've put six in the pot, three have taken.
0: Oh, that's good.
1: So I'm just waiting on to see how they go, you know. It's a learning game for me as well up here because conditions are completely different. Mm. Um, that's one of the joys of moving to a whole new region is I'm having to learn how to grow again and having to learn about what to plant when, like it's all new. Um, stuff up here grows crazy. And if you wonder where I am, I'm, I'm in northern New South Wales um, to the listeners. But yeah. um, stuff just grows. So I'm enjoying that. But, yeah, I took cuttings from rosemary that I bought, herbs, just to show that you could possibly grow them on. My other experiment at the moment was to do that with some basil, which I've done at the moment, and I've grabbed some basil and I've put it in a, a jar of water,
0: mm. which has
1: now started to sprout some some roots and I'm going to see if I can propagate those as well.
0: That's so good. And these, I mean, go and check out the video, but it's just, you know, those little plastic containers that have, I don't know, 1215 little sprigs in it. Um, yep. it's it's so funny that you've given that plant another life.
1: Yeah, and hopefully it will just keep giving, you know. And yeah. that's the thing most most people buy which was one of my gripes actually because in the previous business and in this business I used to sell seeds, you know, and I get a lot of requests for herbs in seed. And I'm like most of the herbs that you buy are actually propagated from cuttings. Mm. And they're not growing from seed. Well, they're hard
2: to grow from seed, which is why people grow from
1: cuttings. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And also the whole reason you have a cutting is because that way you have the same genetic makeup and the plant stays the same and it's got the same qualities. Mm -hmm. Where uh, if you grow from seed, you don't know what you're going to get.
2: Yeah, I definitely geek out on that. I love like the DNA cloning of cuttings (laughs) and things like that.
1: Oh, it's amazing. When Mm -hmm. you think about it, some of the grapes that we're drinking is from a plant. That's, that's thousands cool. of years old. You know, if you think about it, it's just the same plant. Very know? cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It just keeps living through the, the same genetic makeup that it had a couple thousand years ago. It's pretty, yeah, it is very cool. Mm. I keep going on that too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All these garden nerds over here. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned before about the kids and the dogs and there was a time in your life before you kind of pivoted into this gardening space that you did have a regular Monday to Friday job and gardening was more of a hobby for you.
1: Yeah. My story goes, okay, so obviously my grandfather gave me those tomato seeds, seedlings, I should say, and I started doing that, you know, I like this and. Started growing veggies in the back garden to eventually it just sort of took over. And then I, my background originally was in advertising and in web page advertising. And I'd always got into web page development. So I started writing a blog about gardening and about growing produce. And then one day I had this boss and he was in, yeah, he just irritated me. <laughs> so one day <laughs> i have just gone, I'd had enough. And I quit my job. And my wife Beck said, "You're crazy because she just had my son Jack. She wasn't working. What are you doing?" I said, "I'm going to go pursue my hobby, which was gardening." And I enrolled to go do uh, my masters of horticulture at Burnley. And I did that. And no one wanted to employ me because I thought I was old at the time and I was. I was like 30-something. So, um so
0: old. I <laughs> know.
1: Well, no, when you, th- you know, now that I'm old, I'm like, oh, geez, I was young then. But uh, no one really wanted me to um, to do some work. So I uh, I ended up having to start my own business, which was the, the Little Veggie Patch Co., which I started with Matt. And um, basically – that eventuated that oh, I was that busy I couldn't finish my horticultural degree. So, oh really? Yeah, yeah. Um that's the that's right I, to have. So I, I I went into that and I've ended up here now, you know. Um, and I haven't earned a fortune through gardening, but I've I've I have. I've you know not from a monetary perspective, but I've done some amazing things. I've had the opportunity to write books. Um, I've started a garden at, at Federation Square. I've uh, I've been on TV, I've I've had some really great experiences mm. all through gardening, but more so, I've got to meet some of the most beautiful people and share stories and share produce, which is the one thing that gardening does. You know, it actually connects people. So, mm.
2: and look, how many beginner gardeners have you inspired and touched and encouraged them to go on? Like I actually said to Tess before we we're recording today that when I first started gardening, I don't know, 10 plus years ago, your books were one of the first resources I ever opened. Like, you know, and now here I am with my own gardening podcast and it's the best thing in my whole world is my garden. And, you know, you were instrumental in starting that and how many other people would have that same experience. So, you know, props to you.
1: Thank you. But it does make me think about who inspired me. I, I I, I was Monty Don for me. I used to watch... I used to watch uh, "Around the World" I was in eighty gardens, and Never um, heard of it. he did. Oh, <laughs> it's a great series. Uh, he goes around like eighty different gardens around the world, and one of them goes to Cuba, and they have these co-ops where you can go up and buy um, stuff to grow food. You know, um, and that's what inspired me. It was like, oh, maybe I can get into growing food mm. and and start something similar. And that's yeah, it's amazing how yeah. But it is probably one of the things that doesn't keeps me to, in this space and keeps me mm. driving to encourage. It's one of the things that about uh, often my wife says, oh, why well, don't you put that on Instagram? You know, you're just giving all your information away. And I'm like, yeah, mm. but that's the whole point of it. It's I've got to share, I know this sounds a bit wanky sometimes, but I've got to share the, lo- the lie, you know, yeah. mm. which is encourage more people to get into gardening because I truthfully believe the world would be a better place if we all garden.
2: I truthfully believe that also. But I think there's so much inspiration around with gardening, right? Like people watch and look at so many things and they're inspired, but actually what's the hard part is getting, turning that inspiration into action. And even Tess, like this is why we started this podcast was, you know, she had the inspiration factor, but she didn't have the, how to actually get started and action this. And that's where I reckon you've done such a good job and continue to do such a good job is you're not. You know, you're inspiring, but you're more than that. You're actually putting that into action.
1: Well, I hope so. I'm mean, a big believer. It's really simple, as well, though. Like mm. th- this is where I get a little bit like people. I don't understand why they feel there's this barrier because it's actually really easy to do. And that's why sometimes when people go, oh, you know, uh, and again, I feel like an imposter because I go, it's really easy. It's not hard. <laughs> like you know, <laughs> you just put the seed in the ground and it grows. Like nature does it for you. You've just got mm. to connect those two things together, really, you know. Again, mm. it is actioning that more than anything. You've got to put it into action. But the rest is done for you, you know. Mm. That little seed has life in it and it turns into a plant and it produces. All you have to do is just water it occasionally, you know.
2: But you got to put it in the ground at the right time of year and the right size <laughs> yeah, yeah. pot.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's
2: a little bit sure. of know-how. Yeah.
0: So... Can you tell us about Italy? What were you oh. doing there and what about the experience inspired your recent book?
1: Oh, my heart is still broken, to be truth. I love <laughs> Italy.
0: Yeah, I so love Italy. Love Italy.
1: <laughs> I'm living here because I can't get back to Italy, you mm. know. Um, we've been planning to go back for a while now. What had happened is I'd sold my share in the little veggie patch company and because um, my wife had been unwell. And we're going, oh, stuff it. Let's just, let's take a year off, you know? So I literally grabbed the kids. We grabbed some suitcases and we jumped on a plane. We booked the first month in an Airbnb in a town we'd never been to, just gone on the recommendation of a family friend and um, who happens to not be Italian. And, (laughs) um, And also it was the only place that had a bilingual school um, mm. And childcare, because I'd wanted to. Yeah, I wanted to offload the kids for a little bit. <laughs> so um, we get off the the, the train station at a, at a town called Luca, and I don't know if either of you have been, but it is it is the most beautiful, easiest city to live in in the world. It's one of two cities in the world that has an intact medieval wall around it that goes for four kilometres, and inside of it is the city, which has numerous towers remaining, as well as a 100 churches. And it is the home of Puccini. It is just everyone gets around by bike. It is, yeah, it is the most beautiful place on earth. And we just lucked out. Like, we've just gone, wow, how cool is this place? And we spent 12 months living there. I enrolled to do Italian Speaking school while I was there, which is very similar to, I guess, if you're a, a new Australian, you do English, and the same over there. We were we were considered new Italian, so we got to do Italian, which was one of the best experiences as well. I got to do it with people from all walks of life, you know, from, and I realised how privileged we are in Australia because most of them were places like Nigeria or Sri Lanka, and we're doing it really tough. And through that, I then got talking to the teacher who told me about a community garden that was on the river and I ended up going down there, riding my bike, which was about, you know, about two kilometres out of town. And I got a plot there and I started gardening and learning how they garden. And, yeah, I spent my days doing that as well as writing the book. Mm. So we were there for 12 months and then we came back, which still to this day is one of my biggest regrets.
0: How would you say that Italians' attitudes toward gardening differs from us here in Australia?
1: I think you touched on it slightly before. They don't care so much about the aesthetics at all. Mm. Um, they're very practical and functional in the way not only their not only in their guns but every bit about their house, you know. Like they're not aesthetically, you know, they've got a certain style about them but, you know, that's one of the reasons you go over where they've got tiles and they're like, oh, because they're easy to clean. You know, it's
0: like, <laughs> <laughs> they're just that. the
1: way that they, yeah, they, they approach things that way and their gardens the same. It's like, oh, it produces that way. That's how I've got it, you know. Mm. Aesthetically, it's not always the most pleasing, but it's very functional. But they live differently as well. So they live in a community that tends to be quite often still in a city because the way that the city structured, they'll have like a little town and you've got farms around it. So they're really connected to... The produce and they're really connected to the surroundings which means that they're also connected to the seasons you know they've been celebrating seasons in terms of their festivals and all those sorts of things for thousands of years as well so yeah they've got a different approach to it
2: you say it's pretty common like at least my experiences in Europe is that kind of every house has some form of veggie garden some smaller some bigger even people in apartments they often have some kind of allotment system going on like it's kind of it's not a hobby there it's part of life whereas here I feel like if you grow stuff you're um like that's a bit special or unique about you it's not a given that every house has a veggie pot
1: Yeah, a little bit. I think it's changing to some degree as the generations change and they want to move away and most want to move into the city. Like mm. just speaking to my relatives, for example. But yeah, they don't look. They don't look at it so much, like we're like apparently we're freaks because we grow food, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Which it drives me batty. It drives me crazy because I just don't understand why more of us don't. And I get really angry when I'm driving around. It's like. Around the corner from where I live, there's a new housing estate. And I go, where's the garden? Like, there's, mm. there's no space. I don't mm. understand that. I don't understand why people want these homes with massive big houses and no gardens. Mm. Like, and then they wonder why we're unhealthy. And, you know, like, we've got to spend more time outside. Seriously. Yeah. It's crazy
2: or massive lawns, every time I see a massive lawn, you're probably the same. I'm like, oh, my God, think about how many veggies you could grow on that space.
1: Yeah, I am. But I still would rather see, like, I like seeing a lawn. I think it has its place. Live, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think it has its place, you know, physically having kids, a dog, and, and you know, I still, I like mowing the lawn. That's where I started. <laughs> um, but, when you ride
0: right on mower.
1: <laughs> yeah. But uh, I just think, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'd love to have a big veggie patch as well. But I don't understand why why we keep wanting these tiny, tiny yards with fake mm. turf. My biggest bane is fake turf. Mm. But, yeah, slowly, one by one, we'll get them all. We'll all grow their food soon. <laughs> with the prices, we might have
2: to. Well, yeah, exactly, the way the world is going. It might yeah might become but that's But when you think about it, that's where it started as well,
1: yeah. though. Okay, yeah, so cool. most of the people that – Came out here originally, grew their own food because they couldn't afford it. And it also connected them. That's the other thing. It connects them back to their homeland Mm -hmm. so they could grow things that you can't buy or can't purchase.
2: Yeah. My great, my, sorry, my grandparents grew all their own food and it was purely through necessity. Like that's just what you had to do to live. And luckily, we don't, not many of us have that in Australia anymore. But yeah, it's definitely come a long way in. 50 years but even so.
1: even though we don't need to, it's still such a liberating experience to be able to grow your own food. Mm, I
2: couldn't it's the one more. thing that you
1: could do without having to go to work, you mm. know. It's like, well, I've actually produced this and this has cost me nothing but my time, mm-hmm. you know. It's like, very it's empowering. Fed me. Yeah, it's like, well, I, I didn't need to check into the system. I've been able to produce this and feed myself. So, yeah, it's extremely empowering. Mm.
0: Something else that you do that Elise and I both think is so fabulous is the gardening content that you create. It make You make it so accessible for, for people and the way that it's presented always looks um, very cool, very schlick. Do you have any tips for people who are also inspired to create their own gardening content?
1: Be yourself, honestly. Yeah. It's the same with your garden. It's like... It's your space. Do what you want with it. Like, don't let others tell you how you, you know, it needs to be a reflection of who you are. And that's the beautiful mm-hmm. thing about a garden is it's yours mm-hmm. and you can do what you like with it, it's, you know. It should reflect who you are as a person by what it is, you know. And the same with the content, in the sense of de- developing content. Do content that you'd be interested in and to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. From my perspective, I try to impart knowledge in a way that's really simple bite-sized and that will hopefully be helpful and simple it's always about keeping it simple because like i said if gardening is, is actually not hard we tend to complicate it and that's where i get a little bit angry at, at the industry or at others i've never been a like a perma. i'm a permaculturalist but i'm not a permaculturalist because i hate that term because it actually all, all of a sudden it already puts you in a box
2: yeah yeah you know? Right.
1: um and it's the same with anything it is a marketing term it's like the term organic mm-hmm. you know actually everything that is derived from carbon is organic and in the yeah. garden space they can put organic nearly on every product and people go oh it's organic yeah but it doesn't mean it's any good you know and but that's the same i'm really i really try hard not to put uh, you know people in a box and and put gardening in a box I want it to be open to everyone and mm-hmm. I want to inspire people that are not necessarily in one of those uh, boxes to actually give it a go, you know, and that they can relate to and go, oh, I can do that. That's not hard. Okay, yeah.
2: And we absolutely relate to that.
1: Yeah. So that's one of my – and it's always been a big gripe of mine because, you know, I still think – like I look at what's presented on TV, for example, and I just go – Uh, could be done completely differently. And I don't understand because (laughs) Mm. gardening is considered one of the the biggest, you know, like in terms of most watched programs. It's not presented in a way that people can relate to. That's the way. that, And I think that's all, I think, again, my Mm. advice to anyone producing content is just uh, produce stuff that you like and you're interested in and reflects you as a person because, you know, I can guarantee that someone else out there that, that thinks the same way as you and would like it.
2: Yeah. And I mean, we've been, as you said earlier, like we've been growing food and sustaining ourselves and working in nature, you know, yeah. our entire existence. So to think that this is some cool club that you have to have a, you know, horticultural degree in is just so, so far from reality. And I think you and Tess and I are both on the same mission, which is like everyone can do this. They just need, yeah. you know, a bit of direction sometimes.
1: Yeah. Well, that's a start. That's all go oh, okay i can follow that
2: that's not that hard yeah
0: so one final question from me yep. what is the best piece of advice that you've ever
2: received
1: oh. don't give up
2: you know in life or in the garden <laughs> in,
1: that's in in everything you know just keep persisting with it keep trying oh, it's, it's tough i and it's funny, I don't have any gardening heroes really that I look up to or people who are inspired or have been given that information. The best piece of advice that I I can give others would be to garden in your front yard first and foremost. It was the best thing that I've ever done was to start a garden on my nature strip because I got to meet all my neighbours. Everyone stopped and chatted and it was the best thing to connect me to my community. And... There's one of the things I miss about my last place living in Victoria was I miss my neighbours. And the other piece of advice is that you're growing soil first, plant second. So often mm. we just jump in looking at the plants and don't really spend enough time and energy on the soil because essentially if you spend the time on the soil, you're going to have success because it's a bit the way I look mm. at it, as if you're building a house, And if you don't spend time on the foundations, your house is going to fall over. And it's exactly the same with your plants, you know? And I see it when I used to have the nursery customers would come in and they go, oh, I just spent $30 on a plant, but I'll spend $2 on a bag of potting mix. I go, no, 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 no. You're better off spending $10 on a smaller plant and $10 on the potting mix because you're going to get a much better (laughs) result. And that plant's going to end up being like that $30 plant in a matter of no time, you know? So that would be my other piece of advice I would give uh,
2: listening. We had another guest on the podcast before, The Cheeky Gardener, and his best piece of advice was exactly the same thing. So you two are clearly onto something. And in my humble experience, couldn't agree more. Yeah.
0: You know, it's such a thread in a number of the stories that you've told today about sharing and that's how kind of your gardening journey started with your grandfather sharing that seedling with you and now with you on the nature ship sharing that with your community as well and I think it's just such a lovely philosophy and something that gardening can can bring for us all.
1: Because one thing that I've realised in my life is I can make a fortune, I can make a heap of money And I can leave it to my kids. But my knowledge, I can't leave that. I have to share that. Mm. You know, I have to give that away. You have to give that shit away now. You know, like that's (laughs) the stuff that you have to give away. You know, we're all too closed and we're all told not to give away information because it's valuable. And it is valuable, but it's worth nothing if no one else has it. You know, Mm. so you need to share. And that's why I love this podcast. That's why I love the idea. Is that if people can learn from stuff, mm. and then they can they can grow because it's always about growing, and that's what I love about gardening because you're constantly learning, mm-hmm. constantly you're constantly growing. It's like the stuff that I, like I've got better at it, but every time I grow something, I've learned something new. Like I've got that little bit better. Mm. So that's the joy of gardening.
2: So many pearls of wisdom in this chat. <laughs> you are great. <laughs> Thank I love you so this much stuff. for coming
0: on. Do you want to tell everyone about the giveaway?
1: Yeah, I'm happy. So I've just launched my Veggie Patch Hotline because I get asked a lot of questions and I don't always have the time or like, you know, I'm actually a bit useless at text messaging and that sort of stuff. So I've launched the Veggie Patch Hotline and Consulting where I can do a Zoom consult. So I'm happy to do that to one of the or do that for one of the listeners. So
0: So we will put all of the competition details um, up on our Instagram. That's how you enter. Um, so go there for more details and um, you might be able to win a, a Zoom consultation. You can walk Fabian around your garden and show him all your issues.
1: <laughs> you know, I'll try to help.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Fabian, tell us again about your most recent book and where people can get that too. And also your, your website and your Instagram handle.
1: Yep, definitely. Um, the latest book is called Growing Food the Italian Way. Find it in all good bookstores, but on things like Booktopia, it's still available. There's also reprints of the first books uh, available in uh, all the major department stores. Uh, you can check out more information uh my website, uh, thehungrygardener.com.au, or follow me on Instagram, which is the same, the Hungry
0: Gardener. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much for being part of our little podcast. We appreciate it and we've loved chatting with you today.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I've loved talking. Hopefully I haven't chewed your ear off, but um, I can talk gardening for at least another 24 hours. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Rooting for You is hosted by Elise and Tess, artwork by Lauren Janine. You can find us on Instagram at rootingforyoupod or email you at elisealexandra.com. And remember, we are rooting for you.